and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Hi everyone, lovely to see you. Welcome, special welcome if you're new with us today. It's lovely to have you here. Just some quick notices before we begin and I'll tell you what this morning's gonna look like. Firstly, it is Remembrance Sunday today and what we're gonna do as part of that today is at the end of um, queue this morning, um, Mick Fox had asked if he could share a few words in tribute to John who's a very beloved member of our congregation who was recently just passed away and so we're going to end our service this morning with a, a small remembrance to John and then there'll be opportunity for you to take that time to remember him and any other loved ones you might want to remember on this day so we will do that towards the end. The second thing is you will see that the stage is all set ready to go um, behind me for uh, what is our show next week called Wicked Origins. Um, the ticket sales have gone really well and so a massive thank you because that's not happened by accident. A number of you have invited your friends and family. We had the team down in the city centre last week and why that's so important is for two reasons and I will give them in this order. Number one, when people have worked really, really hard on a voluntary basis to put on a show for this city we want the city to watch it because we want it to be seen and heard and experienced for as a great audience for the people who've done the work but also because we want people to have a wonderful experience um, and so a I'm really happy about that but the second reason is this was a fundraiser for Q and actually it has raised significant funds for Q which is absolutely fantastic um, I'm thrilled about that because it helps us keep doing what we're doing each week which is not a given we we do need the income and we're doing some things with the houses to help as well so thank you very much for supporting people first of all but also supporting um financially those of you who've bought tickets because it does help us to keep being here every week and doing what we're doing the third thing is it's kev's birthday today and it's joel's birthday tomorrow <laughs> So I just wanted to celebrate them both. They are people contributing greatly to the leadership here at this time. I appreciate them both. And Kev on his birthday is also delivering the talk today. So thanks, Kev. Happy birthday to you. You get to have this stage on your birthday. Um, so before I hand over to Kev, and the kids will go out in a minute, um, Rob um, spoke to us last week. Rob Helmby, who's been um, a visiting lay minister with us here and a friend to this house he's been visiting regularly and he spoke last week on the topic of suffering he gave himself a real challenge but I think if you were here or you've listened online you'll agree he did a really sensitive powerful job of bringing such a difficult topic but he said three things and I was re-listening to this and I thought each of these say something about the topic of suffering and also about Q 
one of the things he said was some things exist on an entirely different plane to an intellectual discussion about. So as you hear thoughts this morning that Kev's going to bring, and know that your mind will be thinking, but know that we also know that some of this stuff has to go from our mind through our hearts to our lived experience, and that's why we know some of this stuff has to just be chewed over and considered. The other thing he said was nothing provides a single, clear, and convinced answer to our question of suffering and I thought isn't that true of other things part of the spirit of Q is we don't think we can provide a single clear and convincing answer to a lot of topics that are presented sometimes we know they take conversation and we know they take a lot of consideration and time and weighing up and at the end he said something he said well I've, I've bought you a number of things today but it's hardly a complete answer and so I know as you listen this morning you're not going to hear complete answers and that's okay we're not trying to give complete answers we're trying to explore we're trying to ask questions so that we can have a really brilliant conversation so that we can each grow so if at the end you've got more questions and answers I know we say this a lot but it's important don't worry Let's just have more conversation about it. And thanks to Kev for what you're already going to bring to help us think about this stuff. Okay, have a good morning, everyone. I'll see you shortly. Hi, good morning. Everyone all right? Um, thanks for that intro, Jenny, and drawing attention to the fact that it's my birthday. <laughs> and who would choose to do this on a birthday? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I did it. Uh, anyway, about me, if any of you don't know, my name's Kev. Uh, I've been here in this church for my whole life, um, and so I've seen it change radically from when I was a child to how we are today, and today we are absolutely standing on the shoulders of the giants that uh, led us for 30 odd years, um, who brought us all this um, amazing teaching that completely transformed the way that we actually uh, live our lives and function here, uh, and so hopefully I'm just here to um, sort of add to that discussion uh, we, we always say that everyone who gets up here is just contributing to a conversation and that does take the heat off a little bit because basically anything that I say you really shouldn't believe <laughs> and that's not because I'm trying to deceive you anyway, it's just that I'm, uh, I'm processing these things, I'm trying to uh, bring like what my understanding and my version of things that uh, have come up um, and so yeah, I've got, I've got zero credentials. You know, people used to ask Jesus, and I'm not comparing myself to Jesus in any way, but they were like, what authority have you got to say those things? Uh, I can identify with that. I've got absolutely zero authority uh, other than the uh, teaching that we've received here. And so it's just a continuation of that. And actually, what I've got today is nothing new. <laughs> and it's actually a lot of reminders, really, of where we've, well, of how we got to where we are now. Um, so that might be helpful for those of you who are maybe less familiar with what we're about here. Um, so, have I covered everything in my intro there? Yeah, I think I probably have. So, the thing that I think is driving me uh, to do this, because it's absolutely not something that I would choose to do, uh, I'm still learning how to do it, and there's a group of us here that are getting uh, more experience in standing up and speaking about these things, and it's often doesn't get any easier. Um, but the thing that seems to drive me is that um, I'm, I'm looking for that joy that overcomes. Um, you know, often in life I'll find things that um, steals, steal my serenity or uh, 
hijacks my happiness or ambushes my... What? Amusement, yes, that's good. You can come again. <laughs> I really walked down a dodgy tunnel there, didn't I? I wasn't sure where it was ending. Um, and so I actually, I've actually said before that I believe that joy is our um, default state, actually, and it's the things that in life that just sort of manage to cloud that over. Um, and so what I want to be is someone who can experience joy in suffering, and I feel like I've probably had a hint of that from time to time. Um, so, with that in mind, oh, I haven't got my slides up yet, have I? Do apologise. Sorry, I said sorry, Joel. You said don't apologise for anything. <laughs> I'm just apologise. Oh, no, what's that? Right, everyone cover your ears. Phil, what's the password for the Wi-Fi? Can you remember? <laughs> All right, let me try. No, not that one. It's a secret Wi-Fi. It's a secret one. It's a secret. Is it? Is it that, though? Is it? Oh, no, if I can't have my slides. Oh, it is. Thank you. We're on. You can edit this part out. It can't be very good to listen to this if people are on the podcast. Right, so I've said here that I've not, I'm not bringing anything new. There's nothing new under the sun, and that's Bible. King Solomon, towards the end of his life, was a bit, sounds like he was a bit depressed, actually, by this point. He's like, what will be, will be again. I've seen it all before. I'm so bored. There's nothing new under the sun. So I think that just says that like, there's a cyclical thing going on. Things are just cycling around all the time, and we just uh, sort of touch on them when they come back round again. So maybe these things have been talked about for... Well, they have been talked about for thousands of years, actually, a lot of these things that we're bringing. Anyway, so, joy. It says here that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I've got a nice picture of Popeye there. Now, this is from the book of Nehemiah. And he says, as part of the longer verse, he says, Go and enjoy some choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, he's talking to the Israelites who have just, are just a, a real tough time in their, in their history. Like, they've got no city wall and they're all a bit depressed and they're all dispersed all over the place. So he comes back and he's trying to kind of rebuild some things. Uh, and he uses, he uses the idea that the joy of the Lord is your strength. But with a bit of context, I always, by the way, whenever I read a Bible verse, I always have to check the whole passage and I look at every single translation <laughs> and every word, I look at every single word. But anyway, the interesting thing about this is that the reason he's saying do not grieve, the joy of the Lord is your strength, really, is because he's just sat there for about six days and he's read the whole five, first five books of the Bible to them. And <laughs> I don't know if you've read the first five books of the Bible, but I'd be grieving. <laughs> So it's all about, you know, the, the first five books of the Bible is all about how um, the Israelites sort of had the exodus, came out of Egypt, out of slavery, and then all the random stuff that happens, but also all the commandments as well, such as don't bow down before a smooth stone. Shouldn't do that. Uh, don't wear clothing made from two kinds of fabric. Is anyone doing that today? No? Don't trim your hair at the temple. And this is the one that caused them the most grief, no bacon. That's a, that's a now, I don't mean to, like, I, I, know, I understand there's a lot more nuance and context to the, to the uh, commandments like that. And it's probably stuff that actually meant something at the time to them. Like, if we were to have them today, it'd say things like, 
don't don't put things in the tumble dryer from Primark, you know, stuff like that. It's stuff that under, we understand in our context that maybe the, if someone read it in a thousand, two thousand years time, they'd be like, what? So, you know, I understand there's nuance there. Sorry, I've completely digressed, and this isn't really what I've come here to talk about. But I'm going to go to my next slide. So, back to joy. Anth once said, Anth was our leader here, uh, he once said that happiness is something that you feel because of, uh, happiness is something that you feel because of something. But joy is what you experience in spite of everything. So when circumstances no longer dictate your response, you find a place of joy. Now, as always, uh, this stuff will be available for you to um, check on the blog. So you can, look at, you can watch that message and the rest of it. But then I found another quote, which, which is from Joseph Campbell, which says, Find a place inside where there's joy, and the joy will burn out the pain. And that kind of links to this parable that I've come across, which I think is very powerful, and I'll read it to you now. And do you know what? I'm finding that, that chair there, this whole setup is like, I feel like I should go and read the story in the chair. Is the lighting going to be all right? I'm going to do it, thanks. Uh, you don't need to tell me twice to sit down. Does this lamp work? Does this lamp work? I'll turn it on. Oh, no, don't worry about it, Phil, don't worry. It's a bit dark, I can't read. Right. Is that all right, cameras? I'm in the dark. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm sorry for causing trouble. Right, so here's the parable. A long time ago, there was a man who invented the art of making fire. He took his tools... Oh, thanks. He took his tools and visited a tribe in the north where the climate was bitter cold. The man taught the people how to make fire, and the people were spellbound. He showed them many uses for fire. They could cook, keep themselves warm, keep predators at bay, dance by firelight. So they built fire, and they were very grateful. But before they could express their gratitude, the man disappeared, because he wasn't concerned with recognition or gratitude. He was concerned only with their well-being. The fire-making man visited a different tribe and began to teach the art of making fire. Fire. Like the first tribe, this tribe was mesmerized, but the tribe member's passion unnerved the tribe priests. It didn't take long for the priests to notice that the fire-making man drew large crowds, and the priest was worried about lost influence and power. Because of their fear, the priests determined to kill the fire-making man. Worried that the tribe people might revolt, the priests devised a clever plan. The high priest himself undertook the task of compiling a life of the inventor. This became the holy book in which his loving-kindness was offered as an example for all to emulate. His glorious deeds were eulogized, his superhuman nature made an article of faith, and the priests saw to it that the book was handed down to future generations while they authoritatively interpreted the meaning of his words and the significance of his holy life and death. And they ruthlessly punished with death or excommunication anyone who deviated from their doctrine. They made portraits of the fire-making man and displayed it on the main altar of the temple. The instruments for making fire were placed in front of the portrait and the people were taught to revere the portrait 
and pay reverence to the instruments of fire. The veneration and the worship went on for centuries, but there was no more fire. That's the end of that story. Poignant. Thanks for clapping the story. It's someone else's work, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, that was the reading of it. Thank you. I've, I've got a bit of a cold. I don't know if you, you're getting that across there. But it does make for a nice story reading voice. Now, obviously, you probably can uh, figure out for yourself what that's getting at. Uh, and if not, perhaps this will uh, help you. Are you getting sound? Lost it. Well, it's all right, because this bit's a bit um, offensive, so... <laughs> maybe, maybe it wasn't meant to be. Why is the technology not working for me today? Right. Are we back up? No. Okay, not to worry too much. I shall move on. So... You can see that in the story, and obviously it's really talking about Jesus, but the man who made fire taught the people how to be, how to nourish themselves and others, how to dance by the firelight, which I think was a nice way of, uh, a nice way of using fire. Um, and of course, we say that Jesus was the Lord of the dance settee. I thought the words were Lord of the dance settee as a child for so long. Um, so he brought the warmth and light in the cold climate. He revealed the Father, who was seen, uh, whoever has seen me has seen my Father, he said. And he revealed a revolutionary way of living. And when he speaks to people, he says, get up and walk, you know. And he also says, you'll do greater things than me. So this is, this is because he's, he's taught the people how to make fire, and he's saying, you, you can do this. This is, this is your right. You can just absolutely go on and do this. But then obviously religion comes in and it kind of smothers the whole idea a little bit. So uh, Danny sent me a good slide this week, which helps um, kind of uh, summarize this. So it says, consider this remarkable fact. In the Sermon on the Mount, there's not a single word about what to believe. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' like kind of pinnacle um, message. Uh, there's not a single word about what to believe, only words about what to do and how to be. And by the time the Nicene Creed is written, about three centuries later, there's not a single word in it about what to do and how to be, only words about what to believe. And what we've, we've talked about belief in the past, and I've brought these quotes before. Um, so it says, so what I've said is that where belief thrives, faith is suppressed. So basically, belief kind of like just douses faith, um, despite what you might think about that. Belief clings, but faith lets go. And there's a really good quote from Alan Watts about faith, which is, to have faith is to trust yourself to the water. When you swim, you don't grab hold of the water. Belief tries to grab. But because if you do, you'll sink and you'll drown. Faith says relax and float. So that's just about... Have I got it? So that's just about just floating and just not stressing yourself out and basically putting yourself in great danger just through these belief systems that we can have. So, so yeah, it all became about belief. And we've kind of said that the beliefs, the beliefs are not really much good. Um, 
So here at Q, we've been in a very unique position, having deconstructed a lot of the beliefs, the dogma, and the interpretations of the Bible that were brought into control with fear. We've kind of got rid of all the fear-based messaging that we've had in the Bible. So are we now able to make fire or not? Is it, fair to is it fair to ask the question now, given all that we know, like, where is the fire? If we're free of the oppressive dogma, should things feel more vibrant? After deconstructing and shedding beliefs and fear-based uh, fear thinking, what are we left with? Well, another thing that we've talked about here is uh, the Christ within us. Perhaps the work to be done now is to become aware of the divine that is within us. Christ within us. The Christ-soaked world, as Jenny has brought. If you haven't heard that one, go and check that message out. And Rob talked about as well how um, you know, the, the whole universe is made up of quantum particles and there's some potential scientific, uh, uh, scientific theories that help... Um, Help, help, thank you. Help support the, the, the idea that the divine is in every little quantum particle and that we're all part of this huge thing and God is in everything. Um, it's really interesting. But to find this Christ within, we actually need to go back to the beginning. So once again, I've got some quotes, but I don't think they're going to show up on here. But it's about Christ in all things. So it says, uh, Christ is the interconnectedness of all things. And the Bible verse that helps us with that is Colossians 1, 15 to 17. It says, uh, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, invisible and visible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in, and in him all things hold together. So Christ is the in interconnectedness of all things. You can't see the images, can you? But I've got a picture, basically, of the, the whole universe, which looks like a giant brain, which, uh, again, Rob had brought this recently. I'm just trying to connect again. I think it's going to pop up now. It's working, I think. Um, it's just a really nice image to show that the, uh, the idea that the Christ is what interconnects uh, this giant brain that we're all a part of. Anyway, that was supposed to be there while I was reading that quote, but never mind. Um, and so another verse that that is similar to, <clears throat> excuse my voice, is the one that's disappeared from the page. <laughs> I'll just, uh, just bear with me a second where I, while I go and find it. I, should, I shouldn't have this on now. It's this one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, no, uh, without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. That's from John 1 verse 1. Did I have another one? So it said there in that verse that uh, Christ is the word made flesh. And when it says the word, it's not talking about the Bible or the scriptures. 
Because if Jesus was supposed to be the Bible made flesh, then uh, which was all the Old Testament at that point, he certainly went out of his way to contradict a lot of it by how he was being. So the word is more to do with uh, speaking life into the world. It's the expression of the divine. The word is how we express the divine, basically. And I wanted to mention a talk that I gave recently where I touched on things like manifestation and, uh, and prayer and things like that. So, it's that. so when I spoke recently about the possibility that the mind creates reality that we live in and has influence over it and how I'd been sort of reading about manifestation and prayer and putting certain ideas to the test, I was able to make, famously, a Snickers bar appear in a drawer where there was no Snickers before. Now, obviously, you can make what you will of that. I'm open to the possibility that it was a pure coincidence. But anyway, I was, the point is that I was looking at these different writers, such as Neville Goddard and uh, some of the ones that I've forgotten the names of, and I tried the techniques that they were encouraging, basically, and I was able to bring myself a Snickers. And that's been talked about a little bit ever since. But what I didn't really get across there was that I didn't think that I was praying to God and that he allowed me to manifest a Snickers, right? That still implies that there's a bit of a separation from God. What I was saying is that maybe I was tapping into an innate human ability to create as part of the divine and the word and Christ. And that's how God creates. You know, he says, let there be. Let there be Snickers. I don't think he said that in the Bible, but don't quote me on that. Um, so my question was, like, how far could that possibly go? You know, have we lost sight of something uh, that we're actually capable of because of our programming that tells us that we're kind of powerless and that we need a saviour to do all these things? And manifestation, by the way, it's not the be-all and end-all. I think you can get through your life without really <laughs> having this idea that there's this kind of magic. Manifestation is just about the world sort of reflecting who you are and what you put out into it. Um, if that helps illustrate the idea a bit more. Now, I understand these are quite controversial ideas, and perhaps Rob's idea that the more something interferes with others' free will, the less likely, likely it is to come to pass, and I, I can accept that, absolutely, which is why, it was, which is why I got a Snickers bar when I sort of prayed for one. Um, and I'm sorry, you're missing a bit of extra context to that story. I'm just trying to blast through, so I'm not dwelling on old things that I've said. Uh, but you can check that talk out if you want to. So is it more about living fully? I think what we absolutely do have is the ability to influence how we respond to any given situation. I think there's great power within us that says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I know that I've experienced that uh, in the face of crisis and suffering in my life. But back to the story of the man who invented fire. And I'm actually like drawing to a close now. It feels like it's been quite short. Yeah, okay. In the story, uh, there was a tribe, if you remember, who actually learned to make fire and accepted it with gratitude, but they had no religious dogma to put them, uh, put them into that world of sort of sacrifice and fear and judgment. They just got on with living life with fire as their right as humans. Would it be wonderful to live in that reality and not have all the baggage and the dogma of religion and things? Uh, it's just a powerful thought, and I think that's potentially somewhere where we've ended up at Q, whereas the other tribe had all the had no fire basically and all the dogma to kind of control them. 
Could it be that there's a nature within us that once it awakens, begins to manifest a new reality? It puts us into a state of becoming and growth. And while you're becoming, you're alive. In this state, we end up at odds with fear, at odds with the limiting beliefs and pain and suffering and societal norms. It radically accepts that it's all part of life, good, bad, happy, sad, but joy is the response giving us strength to transcend all of it. Is this what it means to truly live? Of course, we've got the quote, uh, every man dies, not every man really lives. Thanks, Sarah, you mentioned that last week, um, which is William Wallace. I don't think he actually said that, but it, the scriptwriters of Braveheart wrote it, and I think that's a wonderfully poignant uh, phrase. Um, is it what it means to be truly alive? Like, What I'm trying to get at is, don't just wait a lifetime to start living, because you're un unsure, like... All this time, I feel like I, I could have been making fire, and I'm 37 years of age now. I'm only starting to get a grasp of the idea of what Jesus was actually trying to do. So, that's kind of, it's kind of, well, I'm kind of at the end now, actually. I believe... Yes, that's it. I'm just going to read that last paragraph again one more time. Is this what it means to truly live? Don't wait a lifetime to live. All this time, I could have been making a fire. So, is it time to ignite? Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Kev. Um, yesterday, I was thinking about how that word reconciliation and how we start to reconcile all of what we see. And I don't know about you, but when I... Um, watch the news at the minute, we're bombarded, aren't we? We're bombarded by so many things that need reconciling, so many things that could make us afraid. And if you think even about the news cycle of the last however many years, we never switch on and see joy. We switch on and see a lot of things to be afraid about, a lot of division, a lot of things that contribute, I think, to some of that dampening of what could be fire, because we see fire in so many different things burning in a negative way. And I think Kev's challenge and call to us to think, well, where's the fire? If we've left some of what was restrictive to us as a sort of church community and found a freedom, is our expression joy? The early church was known for its joy. Um, I think that's a great challenge. And I think it's a good follow-on from what um, Rob bought last week. Um, Danny, can you grab Mick, by the way? Because we might be a bit... Thanks. Um, it's, it's a good follow-on from what Rob said last week because these were some of the conclusions. And having said it's an incomplete answer, he said these are some of the things we've got to accept, which I think ties to what Kev just brought. Accepting the uncertainties of life. If we have a shot at joy, we're going to have to be able to work out how we each handle what is uncertain about life. Because I don't know about you, but I get my beliefs do help me cling. I'm not good at floating. <laughs> I'm not good at going... I'm just going to float and see what happens. That is not my bag. Some of you are much better at that than me, and that's because I don't like uncertainty. So for us to tap into this joy and this fire in our life and ignite in a way that is going to represent some hope and joy to the world, we might have to really work on how we live and float in faith with our uncertainties. The other thing they talked about was protesting against suffering, 
He talked last week about how it is right that we feel a protest to the things that look and feel like they shouldn't be happening. That's, that's accurate and that's right. But he said we've got to do that by avoiding collapse and bitterness. Because if in our protest we become bitter and we collapse, what we're going to do with that? And then the fourth thing he said was embracing whatever change and renewal is impossible as we look for the next best action. So if we're going to find joy in the face of everything coming at us, we might have to reduce that down and say, what's the next best possible action? And we, there was a talk we had, wasn't there, on the next right thing. If we make it about all the things, we're never going to be able to see joy. There's too many. If we say, what is the next best action we could take within this for change and renewal to be possible... We could probably find a step in there that we could feel joyful about. And finally, he said this. He said he was unsure about how the hand of God works, but more determined than ever to swim to the middle of the river, which represents the uncertainty and the faith rather than clinging to the side of belief. Um, even with its fast flowing current, all the fears, all the stuff that's running past us in life and we're like, what is going on in the world? to stay a while and to hope against hope because I think anything else diminishes us. So if we have been made to be part of the fire that brings hope and joy and renewal and change to the world, we're going to have to go right out into the middle of some rivers and feel the uncertainty and find hope there, which sounds like a paradox. Because how do you find hope in the middle when you're treading water but I think it's a good challenge I think it's a worthy challenge I think it's possible for us to 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 be that and to bring joy to the world but that we're gonna have to navigate some of what suppresses our own joy first to be that when I was 21 I remember vividly I was such a faithful Christian I still am a faithful Christ follower but that's different um I remember I had a long list in an A4 booklet of everyone I prayed for every day every day and I would work my way down the list and I would pray for God to help and be everything those people needed every single day and I remember sensing this challenge from that internal voice we can get sometimes one day going how about you leave your you leave your room your clothes the list and you go and be that and I think there's room for both for taking that time to meditate and reflect and to consider and to pray I think there's room for that but there's also room for us to find ways to be it and to bring hope and to break some of that new cycle that people are having in their lives and to bring something different the next action the, the gem of something that they can do to bring renewal to their life so that's what occurred to me as you spoke Kev and on the back of what Rob said. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest.